What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. Thank you so much for letting me be your host. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I've really been astounded as I've been working through the responses. This past week, I received such an encouraging note from a lady up in Canada talking about how she listens to this uh, this series. And it's just, I'm surprised, honestly, I'm just surprised of uh, A, the kindness of the Lord to allow me to be used in this way, and then B, your kindness, as many of you have reached out with just uh, very encouraging words. You guys need to know that usually when we get emails in the positions that I serve in, it's when someone has a disagreement. And it seems like our our habit as people is to write when we have something negative to say. So by just writing a kind word, it really does encourage and energize, to use her term. So thank you. Today, I'm going to jump into a topic called social anxiety. Now, maybe you've heard of that. Maybe you haven't heard of that. But one listener named Stephen wrote in, and he brought up this idea of social anxiety uh, so as as we're getting to that, I also want to make you aware of another you know supporter and a publisher that's come alongside of Transform. So Skylar Bibles has recently sent me one of their ESV personal size Quintel Bibles. Uh, this is the third Skylar Bible that I own, and you spell Skylar S C H U Y L E R. Guys, when you have a second, you need to check out Skylar Bibles. They are top-tier Bibles, New American Standard, ESV, New King James. But honestly, they have become my favorite Bible publisher and the Bibles that I personally use. So I highly commend them to you. When you have a second, check out Skylar Bibles or go to evangelicalbible.com. So back to social anxiety. Let me tell you what Stephen wrote in, and I thought this was a very helpful way to frame it. So Stephen said, first of all, I'm... An individual who became a Christian as an adult, so church life is kind of new to he and his wife. They have a tendency to attend a church activity. For instance, uh, he'll go to a you know a male Bible study, and then before long, it's just uncomfortable, so he just kind of quits and gives up on leaning into those relationships. He describes himself as being introverted, and that makes it tough to go to those social environments because the social environments can lend to what is called social anxiety. So the idea is it's getting lonely. It's hard to continue to function in that capacity because before long, all you really have is your wife and your kids or your husband and your kids, but no meaningful friendships outside of that. And we know that the Bible actually calls us to something different than isolation. Uh, So what do we do? How do we think about this? That's the purpose of today's episode is to help us kind of frame this. So I want to start by picking at the idea of an introvert. What is an introvert? What do we mean when we use that term? Typically, what we mean is when we describe ourselves as being introverted, that we are a quieter person, and that's okay. We're not necessarily going to be the bombastic 
life of the party loud, party animal for Jesus type. Uh, when we walk into the room, we don't start joking on everybody. Like that's typically what we mean by introverted. And I think if we mean introvert in terms of it's not always easy for me to talk with people. And I've heard people describe it this way, that it actually is depleting energy for them. That's introvert. Uh, that's generally what we mean when we talk about an introvert. And I think in that way, if we're saying I have an inclination towards that, that's okay. Uh, yes, that may be true. Uh, but what is not okay is if we let that introvert start to lead us to think things like I must be alone or I am the most satisfied and happiest when I'm by myself. Give me a good book to read and total quietness from the world. Maybe my cat can be there. Meow. But I need to be alone. I'm an introvert. And so because I'm an introvert, I cannot communicate well. I don't do good in communication. Uh, what has slowly shifted is that introvert has no longer become a tendency, but it's actually become something that's fixed in uh, kind of a helplessness or a, a refusal to seek to grow and change in certain ways. So I would encourage you not only for introvert, but for extrovert, for type A, type B, all of the different ESTJ combos that you could have for any personality theory. I would say, remember this, personality is not fixed. Personality is not fixed, meaning you do not have to stay who you are. There is a sense in which you may have natural inclinations since birth. Honestly, if you were an only child and you had no siblings and you spent the majority of time by yourself growing up, it makes perfect sense why you might enjoy being by yourself and why you feel most comfortable in that environment. That totally makes sense. But just remember that that's not fixed. And there are certain aspects of what we would call personalities that actually do, with God's help, need to be changed. So for me to just say, well, I'm an extrovert, that's why I talk over people. I'm an extrovert, that's why I hijack every story and make it about me. Hopefully you'd be like, hey, Dr. Gifford, uh, that's rude and you need to change. And I, I, I can't say, well, I'm an extrovert. Like that's just, that's why I hijack your story and start to tell you my story. No, that may be a tendency that I have, but yet I still need God's grace to grow in humility, honoring and serving others, uh, not living to my flesh, but living by the power of the Spirit. So personality is not fixed. So never let the idea of personality become something that you are stuck on for why you cannot engage in social interactions. Okay, so just remember, if it's not fixed, then I'm not stuck. So let's talk about then social anxiety and how it connects to some of this. So if you're okay with me saying that introvert may be a tendency, but it's not necessarily a fixed tendency, meaning you can grow in some of that, social anxiety typically means that social interactions cause irrational anxieties. And as I was getting ready for today's episode, these are kind of the basic ways of thinking about it, that an individual enters into a social context and now the questions are, what are they thinking about me? How am I coming across? I'm embarrassed. I feel like I said something that was silly or ridiculous. They did not laugh at my joke. And I thought it was funnier than perhaps they thought. Like all of those things start to become this mixed bag of social anxiety. So you're familiar with anxiety. Just think that this is really anxiety about social interactions and contexts. Now, uh, from what I understand, there are those individuals that just don't like going to a larger gathering. So think the mall, 
think a concert, think Sunday morning church, just being there is uncomfortable for them. There are individuals that struggle with that. But social anxiety is not necessarily just being in the physical building or being in the concert hall. It has more to do with entering into an environment where you're supposed to talk with other people and communicate in groups or there's three or four people standing there and you have to contribute to the conversation in some way. That's typically what social anxiety is angled at. So I want to help kind of let's divide and conquer, shall we? I have four points that I'd like to draw out here when you're thinking about social anxiety. So grab your Bible and let's go over to the first passage that I would like to point out to you. And then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. So let's start with Galatians. Go over to Galatians. So we have a book here that's written to the region of Galatia, one of the earliest books in the New Testament. Uh, James is is, uh, the earliest, and then Galatians is most likely number two. Paul is seeking to clarify the work of justification, and he's saying that ultimately the the gospel is not completed by works. It's justification by faith and faith alone, not faith plus works, not faith plus keeping the law, none of that. In chapter one, he asks the question, and this is something that really is going to be helpful in the context of social anxiety. He says, I'm just going to read verse nine by way of context. He said, as we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So Paul is saying, look, I actually have to remind you of the truth that I taught you when I was there, and I'm surprised that you've already been tricked by these false teachers that have come in, but I am not trying to gain your approval first and foremost. I am trying to gain God's approval. Am I trying to please man or am I trying to please God? And he juxtaposes those. I think that's a helpful way to think of it. Like, what's my ultimate motivation by pleasing people? or by pleasing the Lord. In social interactions, there needs to be a question that you answer. And this is it. Are you thinking about how you are representing Christ, or are you really, really, really thinking about what does this person think about me? You see the difference? Are you, are you more concerned with how you're communicating Christ in that social context how you're representing him, or is your number one concern what that person is thinking about you? So if you're concerned with what that person is thinking about you, it's going to make it awkward. It's like, oh, do they think I'm lame? Do they think I'm not smart? Do they think I'm not funny? Do they think I'm ugly? Do they think I'm weird? And all of a sudden we become very self-conscious, like hyper self-aware and become more awkward and more difficult and more quiet. And in that process, it's this plaguing reality that social interactions are really me thinking about what you think of me instead of me thinking about how I'm representing Christ in that moment. So let's take a short break. When we come back, I'll pick up with this idea of social anxiety and and kind of saying, what are you motivated by? And then what are the next steps? We'll be right back. All right, folks, as Dr. Gifford said, we're going to take just a 
What's the word I'm looking for? Pit stop? Maybe that's probably a, the best way to look at it. We're going to take just a small pit stop and we'll get right back to Dr. Gifford in just a moment as he continues to talk about social anxiety. Now, I know you hear that term and you think, what? Social anxiety? I've never been anxious a day in my life. I don't have a problem with talking to anybody at any point in time. But let me tell you what social anxiety is. It's an issue that we all struggle with in some form or fashion. Whether you realize it or not, we all have struggled with this very issue. And that's why I want to tell you about a resource we have available at transform.org that hits this issue right on the head. It's called People Pleasing by Dr. Lou Priolo. And one of the things that he tells us in the book is he says, when we fear man more than we fear God, then what's going to happen is we're going to find ourselves in situations. And I'm paraphrasing here, but we're going to find ourselves in situations that God calls us to be obedient and we're not. We refuse to be obedient to God because we care what someone might think about us in that moment. And so if you're ever so worried about what others think about you that it's practically paralyzed you from being obedient to Christ, this book's for you. I'm telling you right now, Dr. Priolo puts this in some practical ways that will hit you square between the eyes. I promise, People Pleasing by Dr. Lou Priolo. It's available right now at transformed.org. And hey, while you're there perusing around transformed.org, would you consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? I know that may be asking a lot, especially if this is the first time that maybe you've been at transformed.org. So I'm not asking you to jump right in. I'm just asking you to consider it, prayerfully consider it, and understand that with your help, we're able to reach more people all over the world, not only with Transformed, but our other resources that we're able to produce like Road Trip to Truth, Wretched Radio and TV, Breaking Bread. We're reaching people every single day all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we cannot do that without your help. So if you would consider what it would look like in your life to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner, who we would certainly appreciate that. And one more thing I want to share with you. When you're at transform.org, I also would ask you to maybe consider becoming a biblical counselor. If that's an area that you've thought about, The Gospel According to Jesus is another resource by Dr. John MacArthur we have available in the Transform store as well, and I would point you directly to it. Not only should every biblical counselor have that on their bookshelf, every Christian should have that on their bookshelf. It's The Gospel According to Jesus by Dr. John MacArthur, and it's available at transformed.org. Now, let us get back to Dr. Greg Gifford as he continues talking about social anxiety. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God Himself. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. We have been talking about social anxiety, and it's not that we are hesitant to go to a concert or watch a soccer game. But the reality is that for some of us, social interactions are just not easy. They don't come natural to us. So in social anxiety, ask yourself the question, are you really, really, really thinking about how you're representing Christ? Or are you really, really, really thinking what that person is thinking of you? 
Galatians 1.10, let it remind you that number one, we are not seeking the approval of man. Number one, it doesn't make us calloused and it doesn't make us uncaring to what people say. In fact, Romans 15 is going to say that we should seek to please our neighbor. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3, he says, With me it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Paul is not cavalier, but Paul knows that ultimately he's going to answer to the Lord and he's seeking to live his life for the Lord. So the reality is if you're motivated by what people are thinking of you, it's going to make your social interactions even more difficult. So that's the first aspect. The second is this. Are you there to serve others or are you there to feel comfortable? Think of social interactions that way. Is your conversation with that person about you? Uh, There are certain people that it is about them, but biblically we know that our speech is to be an Ephesians 4.29 speech, which is actually edifying to others. So my speech isn't primarily motivated by me feeling comfortable. My speech should be motivated by pleasing the Lord and then doing good to my neighbor, building them up. If you enter into social environments because they are comfortable and enjoyable to you, then potentially you're actually using people to bring you comfort or potentially you're actually entering into conversations that you would enjoy and you're avoiding ones that you do not enjoy. Well, your communication is not about you ultimately. So in those social contexts, if you enter into an environment thinking, well, this is uncomfortable for me, then ask yourself, why is that such a problem? Because my comfort is not the reason why I go to church, or my comfort is not the reason why I go to a men's Bible study. It is not that I would go there to be comfortable. It's that I would go there out of obedience to the Lord, that I could practice the one another's of scripture, that I could hear the word of God taught. So if you are letting yourself kind of swap this around, you begin to think, oh, that's too hard. And if it is about your comfort, I get it. And in each of those instances, I would just say, look, you are not going so you could be comfortable. You are not going so you could be satisfied, number one. So as long as you're letting your comfort and your ease and what comes natural be a lead reason why you make decisions, it's going to be hard for you to enter into those social environments. So the first question is, are you really thinking about how you're representing Christ or how you're representing yourself? Is that what you're really thinking? Number two, are you there to serve others and do good to them? Or are you there to feel comfortable? Number three, as you are entering into those environments, let me remind you of what the Bible talks about with putting off the old man and putting on the new man. In Ephesians 4, we do see that a process for change is enumerated. And it's also mentioned in Colossians 3. But the idea of putting off who you were, that you are dead to your old nature and that you should consider yourself as such, and you're putting on your new identity in Christ. You're living it out and you're letting that new identity be what is compelling you toward action. In that practical environment of you are entering into a social context, I would say do something like this. If you really are there to make much of Christ and you really are there to serve other people, then you have to put off the thoughts of what others are thinking about you. Because there's a certain degree, not that I want you to be calloused or cavalier, 
But there is a certain degree that that does not ultimately matter what they think about me. What ultimately matters is what God thinks about you in those contexts. So let's say that you walk in and you say something awkward and you're like, oh, there it goes again. I'm going to ruin the night. I'm a weirdo. Before you begin to say, okay, well, I'm done. Like, let me get out of here. I think you say, well, like, do I have a heart that's trying to honor the Lord? Was I trying to maliciously make this uncomfortable for everybody? Okay, and if I wasn't, and I am really pleasing the Lord in that moment, then I can be totally fine saying, yeah, I do awkward things at times and trying to get better at that. Sometimes my jokes aren't that funny. You know, whatever that looks like, you can acknowledge that you're actually pleasing to the Lord, even though there may be some weird social things that you did. And I would imagine, too, that before long, you'll realize that what you perceive to be weird or awkward or the things that people are thinking about you are probably not even true in the first place. They're probably not thinking about you in the ways that you're projecting on them. But when you enter into that context, you have to say, I'm not going to be consumed with what they're thinking about me. I'm going to be consumed with what God's thinking about me. And if my speech is honoring to the Lord, and if I'm doing my best to use speech that builds them up and to interact with them in a way that represents the way God has called me to interact with them, then at the end of the day, if they think I'm a total like weirdo, I can't control what they think about me. What I can do is honor the Lord in the way that I respond to them. So my social interactions are not going to be motivated by what others are thinking of me, but they're going to be motivated by what God is thinking of me and what he's calling me to do. So that's number three. So put off the thoughts of what they're thinking about me and put on through the truth of scripture. What does God think about me? And what does God think about the way that I'm interacting in the social context? So lastly, let me just kind of give you a couple of bulletized items First of all, if you feel like this is you, social anxiety is something that you struggle with. I I am not saying that you need to totally reorient your personality or natural tendencies, but I am saying that you need to die to yourself to a certain degree. I would encourage you to go to events, first step, go to Sunday morning and don't stop. There is no quitting and there is no giving up. You need the local church and you need to be connected to the local church in fellowship. So go to those. Those are non-negotiables. While you're there, second step, you won't be a person who's talking to everybody and shaking hands in the foyer, most likely. But you can talk to a few people and you can encourage them and you can speak truth and you can seek to be known by a few people. Revel in those three people. Enjoy those three people because the 30 people is not necessarily what your gifting seems to be. So I'm going to talk to three to five people instead of 30 to 50 people. That's your goal. Number three, when you're there, focus on the person you are talking to, not yourself and not how you think they're thinking about you. Take interest in their week. Take interest in what they're doing. Take interest in uh, their life. Take interest in what's going on in their children's lives. Ask about them. Use questions to help draw out a conversation. And when you do so, interact with that information in a way that is helpful. Most of us can ask questions about how was your week? What'd you do? How are the kids? How's work going? And as you ask those open-ended questions, you'll find that there is now information that's provided for you to interact with in communication. So over time, those three to five people that you're talking to, it's just much easier and easier to keep talking. And that's how relationships will continue to be built.
The goal is not that we would think less of ourselves, but that we would think of ourselves less as we enter into these contexts. Ed Welsh, when people are big, God is small. He says, wouldn't it be nice if you entered into a room and not even for a nanosecond, you were concerned with what other people were thinking about you, but you were thinking, how can I serve these folks and how can I make Christ's name great? in this context. That's where we want to take social anxiety. So it's not about just getting better at being in social contexts. It's about loving Christ well and loving others as an outworking of that. So let me pray for you guys. And for those of you that are wrestling with these, uh, I am going to do a, a couple of more thoughts on social anxiety in future episodes. So this isn't all, but this is at least hopefully a starting point for you. So let me pray. Lord, we want to serve you as we serve others. And may you, may you help some of us who are just a bit more quiet to die to ourselves and maybe step out a little bit more to enter into conversations that will ultimately be really satisfying and really enjoyable, but initially are kind of difficult. Help us to have eyes to see what you think of us so that we can please you first and foremost. And, and Lord, I know that there are different levels of challenge that come with this, uh, from seeming paralysis to just a slight uncomfortability. Whatever level we're at, I pray that we would seek to honor you and that social context would be a way that we could worship you and serve others. So give us grace to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org, and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly Gospel Partner? And until next time, go serve your King. 